0: Woo, good to have you this morning, too. Turn around, look at somebody and say, man, you're looking good today. I don't care what anybody says. You're looking good. Amen, hallelujah. Well, God bless each and every one of you. I wanted you to turn to two passages of Scripture. The first one is Galatians chapter 5, and then the next one is Ephesians chapter 6. They're really close, so uh, so Galatians 5 and Ephesians 6. And as you're turning... Uh, let me just say a couple of things about uh, where we've been in this this month. As we began the month of July, it was the month where we began to talk about and and realize that we have freedom in Christ. And so we started a series the first Sunday of of July called "Taking Our Stand." Uh, and it's important for us to understand that uh, unless we stand for something, we'll fall for anything. It's really true, and you know to. To, to be steadfast, as the Bible says, means to be stationary, unmoved, firmly established. And that's what God has laid on our heart this month. And I pray that you this month would with me and join with me. And And take our stand in some very key areas of our spiritual life. You know, it's a political time. How many of you know we need to take our stand politically as well? It's important uh, for us to do that. Uh, But uh, more importantly, it's important to take our stand spiritually and position ourselves where God would have us to be positioned. And, you know, I think about Oh uh, Eleazar, uh, and I don't have the passage of Scripture. He's one of David's mighty men. Eleazar... Son of Dodo, that was his name. Uh, how many of you know if you're, if you're the son of Dodo, you gotta be a pretty bad dude just to com- compensate for your name? But the Bible says Eleazar, son of Dodo, took his stand in a bean patch and he killed, I think, three or 400 Philistines. Uh, and uh, so much so that the Bible says his hand claved to his sword. Man, when he, You just gotta picture this guy. He's defending a bean patch and he is taking his stand and that's really a picture of what god would call us to do as his 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 children as his faithful warriors galatians chapter 5 Verse 1 is where we got our keynote verse. It's our keynote verse for this month. I would encourage all of us to memorize this verse because it certainly empowers us personally and shares some very key truth with us. Let's read it together, everyone. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone out loud and proud. Here we go. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Do it one more time just for the pastor. Here we go. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Everyone say stand fast. Turn around and tell three or four people it's time we stand fast. Come on. Tell somebody it's time we stand fast. Paul said, we've got to stand fast in the liberty. Now, there's three things I've been sharing with you that you can learn from this verse. And I'm sure if we worked at it a little bit, we could gain some more insight. But let me just give you three thoughts that you need to continue to to embrace and meditate on as you learn this verse. The first one is this, is that we have been set free. We have been liberated. Amen. Christ has made us free. Somebody say amen. amen. Give somebody a high five and say, I'm free in him. Amen. Christ has made us free. It's a powerful truth that we've got to embrace. But the second thing we need to understand from this verse is even though Christ has made us free, it's possible to be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. It really is. It's possible to 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 get messed up and get back in and all tangled up and twisted up. That's what happened with the church in Galatia. In fact, if you read Galatians 3, 1, he, he started that chapter. By saying, "Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that having begun in the spirit, you're now made perfect by the flesh. It just doesn't work. No, in other words, we gotta stand fast. That's the third thought about this verse. But so we, therefore, because we can be entangled again, we better take our stand. We better stand fast uh, in the Lord. I love the old hymn. I don't know, uh, many of you may not know old hymns, but I love the old hymn, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be. I shall not be moved just like a tree planted by the water. I shall not be moved. Amen. And so we're talking about standing fast. Now, the last couple of Sundays, I gave you some important areas where you and I need to take our stand. The first one was stand fast in the spirit. You see, Paul said in Galatians there, in fact, a few verses after that. He said, if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, you won't be entangled again. I thank God for the Holy Spirit in my life, my helper, my guide, my comforter, my teacher, my friend, the one who gives me power. Amen. Everyone say, stand fast in the spirit. And then last Sunday, we talked about standing fast in the Word, the Word of God. In fact, Jesus said this about the Word in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. He said, if you're my disciples, you'll know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. If you continue in my Word, you'll be my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then a couple of verses later there in John 8, he he said, and who the Son sets free is free indeed, amen. And so we need to stand fast in the Word of God. Some people say, well, do I have to study uh, if you want to stand fast? Uh, Do I have to, uh, uh, you know, read the Bible if you want to stand fast? If you want to be entangled again, don't read the Bible If you want to get all messed up, don't get a hold of the Word of God and let it rule and reign in your life. God forbid that you should do that. If you want to get all messed up again, don't read the Bible. You've got to stand fast in the Word. And this morning, I want to talk to you about another real important principle of discipleship where we need to take our stand, and that is this. We've got to learn to stand fast at the place of prayer. Prayer, let me just say this, prayer brings great liberty to the believer's life. Amen? It really does. In fact, Ephesians 6:18 uh, is our keynote verse this morning, Paul the Apostle. And the context of this, is at the conclusion of what we term the armor of God. You remember Ephesians 6, he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. He's talking about the spiritual warfare that we all face. In fact, the last Sunday of this month, I may talk about standing fast in the fight. How many of you know we can't quit, fi- quit fighting? Amen. In fact, Paul said, I... Fought a good fight, uh, but in this context, he's talking about the armor of God because we we uh, we we've got to stand. In fact, look in verse eleven. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then he gives us the armor of God, which I'll I'll hold for another time. But he kind of concludes this thought with verse eighteen, as he talks about the fact that we've got a spiritual battle going on. And that we've got to take our stand spiritually against the principalities and the powers. He said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I love that. You know, most people's prayer life has to do with money and stuff. But Paul concludes this thought about the armor of God. Listen, we need to be praying and supplicating and praying with everything we've got and being watchful and being persevering and praying for one another. And I love this, supplication for all the saints. Not just for me, myself, and I, but for the church. I wonder what would happen if all of God's people got a hold of this verse right here and started plugging into it and started praying for one another like their lives depended upon it. Because they do. And you see the tenor of this verse. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's almost, you know, if there's an exclamation point in the, uh, all around this, it's praying always. Everyone say praying always. You know, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. It's kind of like Paul saying, whatever you got to do, you got to do it. You got to pray wh- however way you need to pray because there's some things that need to be accomplished. But if you you don't pray, they won't be accomplished. And so we've got to be watchful and careful with all perseverance. Somebody say perseverance. I love people that don't quit. Amen. Quitters never win, but winners never quit. Paul's talking about persevering and not quitting. And not backing away, but taking our stand, if you will, at the place of prayer. Why? Because the world we live in is an evil world. But prayer brings great liberty in the middle of great bondage. Somebody say amen. I'm going to be happy if nobody else is. And so today's takeaway, this is what you need to understand that God is calling us all today. Today's takeaway is this: Persistent, persevering prayer is essential for the ongoing liberation of God's people around the world. Persistent, everyone say persistent. Persistent, persevering prayer is essential for the ongoing liberation of God's people around the world. Remember, go back to Galatians 5. If we don't keep this liberty moving forward, we'll get tangled up again. And prayer will produce within us a liberating effect in our lives, in our families, in our churches, and in our world. Somebody say amen. It has the power to set people free. I think of Daniel. You know, Daniel's one of my heroes of the Old Testament, Daniel. You know, his ministry and life was in the middle of Babylonian captivity. He was was, uh, uh, taken in as a slave, and I I won't go into his life. You know, God blessed him and God honored him even in the middle of slavery. And Daniel, the Bible says about him that God blessed him and prospered him even as a slave, and he became very influential in Babylon, uh, and so much so that a lot of the Babylonians Babylonian people were jealous. They were afraid he was going to take over altogether. So they conspired to trip, trip him up and to, uh, uh, and to trap him in, in legal maneuvering and said, you know, if anyone bows to the God you know, other than the God of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, you know, he's going to be thrown where? And the lions did. And the Bible says Daniel, when he knew that, the, that, that, had, that that decree had been signed, as was his custom, went up to his room, opened up his window toward Jerusalem, and there he prayed, as was his custom, morning, noon, and night. Now, interesting thing, it says he gave thanks to God and opened his windows toward Jerusalem. I, you know what? I know what Daniel was praying for because he was in captivity. Jerusalem was in captivity three times a day and an attitude of faith he declared the liberty of God over the Jewish people and over Jerusalem and you know what in his lifetime he didn't see it but how many of you know it happened somebody say amen it was it's a it's a definition Daniel is a definition of persistent persevering prayer that brings liberty to the people of God Amen. And it works in us today. It'll work in you today. Look at somebody say it'll work in you today as well. It'll work in and through your life. God is stirring the people. In fact, you know, in a little bit when we get done here uh, preaching, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to pray for a, a great prayer anointing to come upon us. That God would anoint us in a special way to begin to persevere and press through and be able to see God do great things not only in our life, but in our families. Let me just ask you, does anybody here today have a family member who needs some liberty in their life? And if they're next to you, don't, don't make no to that. Just, just say in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to pray. You know, and so prayer brings liberty. I think of Peter. You know, when he was in prison there in Acts chapter twelve, what happened? Uh, he was. The Bible says, but constant prayer was offered to God by the church, and God miraculously liberated him from jail. Acts 16, the same thing. Peter and, pardon me, Paul and Silas, they're imprisoned for their witness and ministry uh, uh, in the the community there. They're in jail and the, the pressure is on. And the Bible says about the midnight hour, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God and God supernaturally liberated them from the jail. You see, prayer liberates. Everyone say it, prayer liberates. The a persevering, persistent prayer warrior will produce great liberty in their life and in the, in the, in the arena that they influence. It'll bring great liberty in people's lives as we embrace the responsibility as a believer to stand fast and persist and persevere and pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Now, you look at the life of Jesus. How many of you know you see this working in his life? You talk about Jesus, you study Jesus, and you'll discover that Jesus modeled a lifestyle of persistent prayer. Jesus, the Son of God, was always praying to the Father. He modeled it day in and day out. In fact, the Bible says in Mark chapter one, verse 35, it says, now in the morning, having risen a great while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. He, He got up, he beat everybody up and he stayed up while everybody else was going to bed. He prayed in the morning, he prayed at night. He modeled for us a lifestyle of persistent, consistent, persevering prayer. Amen. In fact, so much so that the disciples saw that it was working in his life. They saw him praying and getting up and going doing miracles and seeing people in, you know, and, and, you know, two plus two, you know, they're going, oh man, something's adding up. The more he prays, the more power is released in and through his ministry. And the light came on. They had an epiphany. Everybody get the light switch. Here we go. Got your light switch. Everybody get your light switch. Here we go. Turn it on. Cha-ching. Oh, the light came on and the disciples said, Lord. You got to teach us to pray. Amen. And so we find that he not only modeled the lifestyle of persistent prayer, but guess what? He taught us to pray persistently. In fact, I want you to turn with me. We got a little time here. Turn to Luke chapter, oh, what is it? Luke chapter 11. Turn over there with me. I want you to see this. Uh, You know, in the gospels, uh, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each of the disciples give a little different slant on some of the things that Jesus taught. And in in Matthew, pardon me, Luke 11, uh, uh, Luke is giving his slant on the Lord's prayer or what we call the model prayer, because he says, our father in heaven, you see that there, the first few verses, everybody see it? Say, I see it pastor. Okay. And so he's given the model prayer. I'm not going to walk through that, but he's teaching the disciples how to pray. And he says, here's a good outline for you to follow. And he gives them the outline. But then, because we're talking about persistent. Praying. Look what he says. And and then Luke uh, uh, puts this on the tag here. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Don't trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you that though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. He's teaching us to be persistent at the place of prayer he modeled it and then he taught it in fact then he goes on in verse nine and says i've I've said this hundred and one thousand times and jesus said to you i say to you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open unto you paul Stop. the greek there reads this way ask and keep on asking Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. What's he teaching us? Persistence at the place of prayer. Amen. So he modeled it and he taught it. Because why? Prayer brings great liberty in the world. And so we see and we understand all the benefits of prayer. They're multifaceted, but Jesus uh, m- uh, modeled it and he taught it. And so we need to understand today that persistent, persevering prayer must become our lifestyle. It must become the lifestyle of every serious believer. Uh, we've got to develop a lifestyle of praying. How many of you have some lifestyles? How many of you have some habits in life? You know, there's, a, there's good habits. Amen. Amen. Some of you have great habits. Some of us may not have such great habits, but how many of you know Jesus would have us to develop the lifestyle of prayer? Serious, persistent, persevering prayer must become the lifestyle of every serious follower of Jesus Christ, amen? And so this morning, I wanna share with you, it's essential. Everyone say it's just essential. How many of you understand the essentials of life? There's some things in life that it's just essential. Amen. In your marriage, uh, you know we've got some newlyweds and some that are about to be. I see Ross and Danielle next week. This oh man, by this time next week, they will have said "I do." Come on now, Amen. let me just say, I'm going to meet with them. Uh, are we meeting tomorrow? You're going to meet together. I'm going. I'm going to make sure that they understand a few of the essentials essentials of 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 being married together. You know, no, no, oh, there's a sense, there's something. You know, in, in other words, don't. don't Don't hit your wife. That's, you know, it's like don't kick the dog. You know, some essentials. But at the place of prayer, there's some essentials as well. that You and I, it's just essential. We've got to apprehend and begin to operate in, in our life at the place of prayer. I'm going to give you five. Here we go if you're taking notes. Five very important essentials. As you develop a lifestyle of persistent, persevering prayer, these five things are vitally necessary for you to really move to a place in your life where your prayer life is making a big difference in the world. How many of you want your prayer life to make a big difference? Here we go. The first one is, of course, and we may talk about this more next Sunday in a little different slant. The first important essential ingredient of a persistent, consistent, power-packed, impacting prayer life is that of faith. Everyone say faith. Oh, the Bible teaches us that we've got to pray in faith. In fact, I say this all the time. God's not looking for prayer warriors. He's looking for prayer warriors. Amen. There's a whole difference. Uh, People who catch a hold of the reality that faith, uh, plugged in at the place of prayer, will move the hand of God in your behalf. Somebody say amen. Amen. In fact, look at Mark chapter 11. You're in Luke, uh, Matthew, Mark. Luke, just take a left here. Uh, You've probably read this before, but in case you haven't, let me show you some more teachings about Jesus at the place of prayer. Matthew chapter 11, verse 22. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Everyone say it. Have faith in God. Jesus is teaching his disciples some important understanding about faith. And he said, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes. Somebody say believes. Believes but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Now, you can't stop there. you got to move on to verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray. What does he say? Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, most people miss the whole point of these verses. They think it's a blank check theology. That's, all, that's what that's that's all most people see. Oh, I'll have whatever I say. All I do is got to believe. And so whatever I can believe and I pray it, I'm going to have it. Now, uh, you know, and I'm going to name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. Now, could I tell you that there's some validity to that thought? But the, the big picture of what Jesus is trying to teach, this is all he's trying to get across to us today, is that when you pray, you've got to believe. You got a couple faith at the place of prayer. You can't be a prayer warrior. You got to be a prayer warrior. And I'm telling you this morning when I started going over this, I said, oh God, stir up the faith of God's people. Listen, let me just tell you, if you had faith, you'd be praying a lot more. If your faith was growing, then hey, you'd be praying more because, because faith will stir up the spirit of prayer in your life. That's why we talked about the Word of God last week because what happens when you start getting a hold of the Word of God? Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And it's an essential element in your prayer life. You've got to begin to believe God's Word. Now, the the way you can stir that up is start praying for things you know are the will of God. How many of you know it's the will of God for people to be saved? Come on now, we've got to start believing that. How many of you know it's the will of God for people to start being set free from the powers of darkness and sin and demons and devils, amen? Come on now. And we start praying the will of God and we pray in faith. In fact, James said this, the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. It's not the oil, that's just the obedience, point of obedience, anoint anointing with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. It's time, come on now, it's time we start praying prayers of faith. God wants to stir, if we stop right now, we'll, we'll get somewhere, but let me tell you, if we'll start praying in faith, and believing God at the place of prayer for our loved ones, for our jobs, for our futures, for our families, you know, we gotta quit worrying about it and start believing God. What did Paul tell the Philippians? He said, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. It's in the book. Come on now. It's hard not to worry about our kids. Come on, mama. Isn't it hard not to worry about your kids? It's hard not to worry about them. But if you'll start plugging in at the place of prayer... Believing God and trusting God. He'll take care of your kids. He'll take care of your husband. He'll take care of oh oh, not headhead. Come on. He'll take care of everything. As we begin to pray in faith, it's the prayer of faith. Whew. Oh, stir it up somebody. Number two, another essential at the place of prayer. It's not only faith, but number two, focus. You can't just be gunshot prayer. Just all over the place. In fact, Jesus taught us to pray in a focused, strategic manner. In Ma- Matthew 6, the prayer outline in and, and Luke 11, it's a prayer outline. What's he teaching? Get focused on some things. You see, some people just say, well, what do I pray for? Jesus said, okay, you wanna know what to pray? Go to Matthew go to M- Matthew 6, go to Luke 11 and start praying that, that prayer and praying the outline. And p- Our Father which art in heaven, that's a good place to start. Hallowed be thy name. Okay, I'm gonna just start by coming into your presence and praising you and worshiping you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Oh, God wants me to focus on the will of God for my life. Absolutely. He wants me to pray the will of God over my kids. Hey, grab your kids up in the morning and before you give them any bread, or any breakfast or anything, you lay your hands on them and say, come, kingdom of God, come, will of God and my kids. That'll scare the devil right out of them. Hey, man, I'm telling you, get focused. Get focused. I think of Jabez. How many of you read the prayer of Jabez? Man, he got focused. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me that I might not cause pain. And I love it. The Bible says, and the Lord granted him his request. Hey, go back to Matthew 6. Pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. We've got to get focused at the place of prayer and began to focus on some things. Go back to Peter. I love this. We may need to have prayer meetings where we focus on one thing. Peter was in jail and the whole church, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. They got focused. Ooh, I'm getting something on that, aren't you, Trent? We got to focus in on a, on a prayer point and begin to hammer that thing. You know, the old school, I you I mean, from old school, any old school, Pentecostal type, you know, they had this phrase, that, well, we just got to pray through, brother. People go, we got this issue, we got this problem. Well, you just got to pray through, brother. What's he talking about? Pray till the breakthrough comes. Get focused on it and don't let it go of the horns of the altar till God shows up or until you pray and God says, oh, you broke through. Amen. Amen. You got to get focused. Everyone say focus. These are important essentials to our prayer life. You start praying and you get on point and start praying, get focused on something. You just see God go to work in your life. God will change things when you get faith and you get some focus. And number three, when you get some fervency in your prayer life. Somebody say fervency. James 5 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now that word fervent, it's, it's, where, it's a Greek word that where we get the word energy. Effort. Labor. He says the effectual fervent working Now, let me just stop. Some of us have never worked hard at the place of prayer. You've never pressed through and got passionate about what you're believing God for. And let me tell you, I really believe that fervent praying is many times the difference maker in your life. Hey, it's that way in nearly every area if i were given a job interview and i had two candidates who had the same exact uh, you know criteria and the, everything just looked you know their their resumes looked the same but one of them was pat- and he had energy and he was all frothed up and ready to go to work. Ooh, who am I picking? I'm picking that one. I'm telling you, it's the same way at the place of prayer. You, you get so passionate about something that you, don't, you can't sit down and sit on your hand. You, you got to get up and, and express yourself to God. Hello. Get passionate about it. You know what I'm talking about. We get passionate over things, passionate over this. Some of you, you start talking, I don't know, I don't see Shannon here. You start talking about the New Orleans Saints, his passion. He just oozes black and gold. He's passionate about it. Uh, you know, sometimes he sends me things. I just uh, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about your passion for the New Orleans Saints. But we know what fervency is. We know what passion is. And, folks, let me tell you something. Passionate praying is many times the difference maker in your life. I think of the first century church in Acts chapter 4, I think it's 3 or 4, when the the pressure got on and the persecution got on, they started praying. They came together and they got passionate about their position and they began to pray with passion and they said, God, you just keep doing what you're doing, we'll keep doing what we're doing. We're not going to back up, we're not going to stop. You keep uh, 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 healing people, we'll keep uh, uh, sharing the word. And the Bible says, and when they prayed that way, the Holy Spirit fell upon them them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak the word of God with boldness. They were praying with fervency in their spirit. Faith, focus, fervency. Important essential ingredients of a persistent persevering prayer life. Oh and let me hit it number four just for a second. I won't stay long because most of us can't take much of it but fast. Matthew 6 when you give when you pray and when you fast in fact go to what is it Isaiah 58 where it talks about is this not the fast that I have chosen says the Lord oh what's the first thing he says that the fast that God has chosen does is this not the fast that I have chosen says the Lord to loose the bonds of wickedness in fact remember Jesus the disciples brought this demonized person they tried to cast out the devil I think it was a son who threw himself in the fire and tried to kill himself the disciples prayed and nothing happened they brought him to Jesus and Jesus said well you need to understand something this kind of devil doesn't come out except through prayer and fasting everyone say prayer and fasting you know once a year we we have a 21 days of prayer and fasting beginning of the year but how many of you know we ought to do this more on our own you got hey you got a roadblock in your life you got a devil that won't get out of the way come on now you got an issue that just seems to get worse you got a problem child come on i'm being honest prayer and fasting Daniel prayed and fasted for 21 days and angels started showing up. Hello, are you with me? I said, angels are showing up. And he, hey, he just didn't eat anything that was sweet and good and nice. He just ate the, you know, roughage. He just was eating the bare essentials of life and drinking a little water, and angels showed up. Prayer and fasting. It's essential in certain areas of your life. Everyone say faith. Everyone say focus. Everyone say fervency. Everyone say fasting. Say it with a smile. Fasting. It's hard to even say fasting with a smile. I'm going to start fasting. You know, when I first started, me and my friends, we got onto this, with, thought, ooh, fasting. Okay, I'm fasting between lunch and dinner. That's when I'm 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 not eating or drinking a thing till six. Glory to God. And some of my friends, I'm on a liquid diet. We'd go to Dairy Queen and say, I want a chocolate shake. Just make it real thick. Not quite what we're talking about. Amen. And then finally, now this is you got to get this one. Another essential element to be a persistent persevering prayer warrior that God uses to bring liberty in the world, you've got to have friends. Jesus said in Matthew 18 and 19 where two of you, somebody say two of you, he's talking about people coming together at the place of prayer and agreeing together. I love this. He said, again, I say unto you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their what midst. You know what? There's a, here's my phrase. It's not legal, but it's my phrase. There's a multiplicity of effectivity when people start working together at the place of prayer. You look at the first century church. When they got on to it, they got focused in in Acts chapter 1 and 2. It says they were all together in one accord. They They were in harmony together. And the Bible says suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon them. Because they were linked together at the place of prayer. They were linked together in faith. They were linked together with the focus of God over their life. And they were praying. And they were coming in together into agreement. And my friend, the Bible says, Jesus said, "Who, man, that's when I start really going to work in your behalf. Essential elements to a lifestyle of persevering, persistent praying. Now... How many of you know anything in life is a discipline when it comes to issues like this? But guess what? We have the Holy Spirit to help us. And how many of you today could say with me that you could use a fresh prayer anointing in your life to come upon you, to stir you and help you, and fan into flame the the prayer power of your life? where you can begin to pray in faith. You get focused. See, some some of you, let me just say, I think some of you, one one or two of these just hit you right between the old proverbial spiritual eyeballs. Maybe all five, maybe just one, maybe maybe two, maybe three. Hey, they just hit right there. How many of you, at least one or two of these hit you right here? I want to pray for you today that God would stir a new prayer life within you. You'd begin to feel and sense the Spirit of God drawing you to the place of prayer. Let's stand together today. I really feel like today could be a difference maker in many of our lives. Could I tell you today, as the pastor of this church, as I began to pray and work on this message all this past week, I got myself all convicted. About my prayer life, you know the one that you know the one that got me—that fervency issue. I realized I got kind of melan, melancholy at the place of prayer, kind of mundane. How many of you got one or two that got you right there? If you did, put your finger on your forehead. Come on, if it got you right here, amen. If you're here today, you can say, Pastor, I hunger for this in my heart. And I want God to stir my life and anoint me with a fresh prayer anointing in my life. Where I began to persistently persevere with all supplication for the saints if that's you today I'm going to ask you to join me here in this altar let's agree together that God would stir the prayer fire in our life it's an essential ingredient to maintaining our liberty and moving to new levels of liberty in our life parents if you want your kids to Make it through the question marks of life. you got to be a power-packed, persevering prayer warrior. Husbands, wives, if you want your relationship to get out of the hole and move to a whole new level, we got to be prayer warriors. Thank you, Jesus.